Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson with Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And this evening, the role of Victor Volkman will be played by Alan Smith in Plano, Texas. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners to episode number 120 in our series. Tonight's topic will be currencies that buy credibility for your book, and our special guest is Tom Wainick. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. And please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Tom Wainick is a busy worldwide speaker and marketing consultant. Businesses as far away as Australia and New Zealand fly Tom in to fix their marketing and hire him to speak. His book, Currencies That Buy Credibility, teaches the foundation that every smart marketer needs to know in order to craft a believable marketing message. Tom spent eight years growing his successful retail clothing store. In the process, he dealt with his fair share of growing pains, skin, knees, and all, just like the rest of us. Tom shares his views on marketing and advertising on his blog, marketingbeyondadvertising.com. Hi, Tom. Hi, Irene. How are you? It's good. Good Good to have you on this show. I'm really pleased. And just for our listeners, what I want to say is marketingbeyondadvertising.com is a really great blog. And so be sure that you go to it and sign up. And sign up for his Twitter messages, too, because he really gives some good, good advice. Tom, your book. Yes. Currencies that buy credibility. What um, would be this book's primary argument? We live in a, a noisy, over-communicated society. We're really bombarded each and every day by thousands of advertisements. Um, in fact, there was a study done in 2008 by Yankovic that reported that the average American is confronted with more than 5,000 advertisements each day. And most of those ads are oversaturated with ad speak and hype and really discounted by the consumer. So if you want to cut through the clutter you have to develop a believable, incredible marketing message. And the book shows you how to do that. It it contends that you can actually purchase credibility by investing one or more of six currencies. And, Tom, before we go into the currencies, you mentioned the words ad speak. Would you just explain to our listening audience what that means? Yeah, ad speak is a term that explains or, or describes common advertising lingo or terms that we hear, sort of like we've got the lowest prices or uh, the best customer service guaranteed, things like that that uh, we hear time and time again. And so as an author, how would this sort of relate to what I am trying to do in my pitch to be able to sell my book? To actually, you know, not to have not using ad speak or as hype as you mentioned, but what would be a more relevant way of doing it for me as an author? Well, actually, that's just that's that's a good place to start. Is is really closing any type of loopholes in your pitch, whacking the cliches, and substantiating every claim. That's the first thing that I would do. Tom, this is Alan. Why is all of this so important right now? Uh, it, it, again, it, it goes back to the fact that uh, we're, we're faced with a lot of noise in the world. Uh, we have n- now with social media, we, ha- we have advertisements on the radio, on TV, um, and it just sort of overwhelms our senses. Uh, so if you want to persuade somebody to take action, uh, there's, there's two ingredients you really need in that. Uh, the first thing is relevancy. You have to speak to a felt need. And the second uh, ingredient is credibility. 
And once you have those two, uh, you have you have um, the elements of persuasion. Are those two of what you would consider your currencies? No, no. But I do talk about relevancy in the book, and 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 relevancy comes before anything else. You have to have a relevant message that somebody truly cares about. Uh, if you don't, it's going to be immediately thrown away by the the person that you're you're communicating with. So again, relevancy comes before all else. Then credibility comes on top of it, and that's where the six currencies come in. In your book's description, you specifically point out that money is just one of the six currencies that can be used in business or in the book world. Can you explain that concept a little bit to us? Yeah, yeah. M- money is the most obvious of the six. It's it's the first one that, that people guess. And we see money uh, risk most frequency or most frequently rather in guarantees and warranties. Uh, that's the most common use of investing material wealth. So Tom, when you're talking about relevant, a relevant message, and I'm sort of sitting back here thinking, okay, I'm an author, I have a book to promote. Help me out here. How can I use the currency of relevancy for my let's say my nonfiction book the title of my book is Rewriting Life Scripts, Transformational Recovery for Families of Addicts. You know, how how do I kind of position myself for it to be relevant? Yeah, that, and that's a challenge. Uh, that's a fair question. And it, it's all about, you know, what does uh, the publication want to, want to see or hear? Um, you know, what do they need out of it? Uh, is it to sell more books? Um, is it publicity? Uh, what what do they need out of the deal? Um, and, and it's important for you to really tap into that uh, to, to sort of connect the message, your message, with, with their wants and needs. Um, so that's where you really need to begin. You need to begin by uh, diving into the mind of the consumer and thinking things through uh, the way they would see the world and try to put yourself in their shoes. So in my case, then, with my book, what I would do is really tap into the families and their needs. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That would be a good way to do it. Okay. And you mentioned the uh, words felt need. Would you just explain that to our listening audience, what that really means? Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of go back and forth uh, between relevancy and felt need. They're, they're really one and the same. Uh, felt need, it just sounds a lot better. Um, but, you know, felt need has to do with the customer's wants and needs. If you're pitching a, a book to an individual and, um, you know, you're, you're trying to convince them or persuade them to, to purchase your book, uh, again, what do they need to get out of it? Why would this benefit them? Uh, the benefit for them is their felt need. Okay, so I'm sitting here kind of frowning. You can't see me because I'm, of course, <laughs> being recording here. But it's like, okay, so what if I wrote a fiction book? How how am I going to, um, you know, get to that relevancy or the felt need of my potential reader? Help me out here. Yeah, yeah, and and for a fiction book, you know, right, just shooting from the hip, I would say that the felt need would be to to be entertained, um, and then to dive a little bit deeper into that. Well, do you want to be uh, entertained with a romantic novel? Do you want to be uh, entertained with science fiction? Uh, what's different about your 
uh, novel from the rest of the science fiction books. Um, and, and that would lead you on the path to really tapping into somebody's felt need. Tom, is it possible is that, to buy credibility almost like you buy advertising? Yeah, in, in theory it is. Uh, you know, again, there, there are six currencies that you could risk or spend, and it's, it's really about proving that you are who you say you are. Um, and, and generally speaking, the more you risk or spend, the more believable your message becomes. Uh, and, and this really goes back to uh, uh, demonstrating uh, your message through your actions. When you talk about currencies, is there are there different denominations in this currency? Is it are some more valuable than others? No, not really. It has to do with context and fit. Um, I, uh, again, going. To, uh, I don't want to harp on relevancy, but it really begins with relevancy and determining what the felt need of your audience is, and then really figuring out uh, what is a good a good currency to risk or spend that would reinforce that relevant message. So it really has to do with context. I get asked this question so often. Uh, most people want to say, well, just give me the one that, that means the most. Uh, which one is, is worth the most? And, it, and it, you can't do it that way. It, it comes back to where does it fit. And obviously, as you said earlier, the relevancy and the uh, credibility are key to that kind of thing. I know because we talk about frequently in advertising and marketing making powerful statements, uh, but that really is relatively easy if you use ad speak, as you said. How do we make these statements believable so that they actually can help buy credibility? Yeah, and, and you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's you know, I, I always say that speaking comes easy for us. Uh, it's our, our gift uh, of human nature. We can say anything, but why is that believable then? Um, it's not. There's, there's no cost associated with it. And that's where the six currencies come in. Um, and maybe I maybe I should explain the, the six currencies or at least list them. Um, one is material wealth. Then you have time and energy, opportunity, power and control, reputation and prestige, and safety and well-being. Wow, you said reputation, and that to me is sort of follows in with a credibility. Is that the same thing, or is this some some other definition to um, that one? Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of it. Um, you, you can actually uh, put your reputation at risk for a good cause that you believe in, and, and that can boost your credibility. Uh, reputation is, is really important, especially when you, uh, when you talk about uh, something like social media. Um, so reputation is one of those uh, currencies that you need to be really careful with and, and really grow and safeguard. Uh, same with safety and well-being. Uh, I will tell you that it's a lot easier to risk money than it is reputation and safety and well-being. And uh, when you talk about reputation, you know, what comes to mind is I know that uh, many self-published authors, because of, let's say, the material wealth, it's not there, they don't have a budget to do things like a proper editing or, mm. you know, a really kind of polishing up the book. And so to me, that would be one way of losing this reputation, would it not? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a credibility killer. It's, it's failure to meet the, the unspoken expectations of a publisher. Um, you know, they're going to expect a reputable author to do that, to make sure that they uh, dot all their I's and cross all their T's, and there's no 
there's no grammar errors in, in the in the book. So when when you when you fail to meet those unspoken expectations, it immediately affects your reputation. Tom, when you talk about these currencies like reputation, how can they accelerate credibility to drive more traffic and sales and word of mouth? Well, the the first thing is is you know there's there's something in psychology called the contrast principle which states that we don't make decisions in isolation. We compare the differences among our available options. So the first thing that happens is when you, when you, put, uh, when you invest currencies and you prove that you are who you say you are, you, you immediately stand out from the crowd. You look different. Um, you know, you're not the, the ho-hum cliche um, that, that you know, you're, you're not following the crowd. Uh, so you immediately stand out and shine on your own because you're doing something different. Um, so that's probably the most important part of this. I'm really glad you mentioned that, Tom, because it's so important for us as authors to be different. I mean, you know, what is it? There's like a million titles that are published every year now. And, like, how can you be different? There's got to be some repetition somewhere. So it's really difficult to be different and to stand up. Uh, but we really, as authors, have to do that so that our books do get noticed. You know, actually, that's that's a great point. One of my favorite quotes is from uh, the character Don Draper on Mad Men, the television show. He says, uh, client success is directly related to standing out, not fitting in. Yes. If you want to fit in, you're not going to be noticed. How are you going to stand out? How is the message relevant? And how is the message believable? You know, that's such a good point, Tom. And so let's talk about some of the ways that we can stand out and be different. What are your suggestions? Uh, the, the first thing is, is for an author, it's probably in the pitch, is to not come at it the same way, uh, to take a chance, do something different. Um, and one of the things that I would suggest is risking opportunity, one of the six currencies, by choosing who to lose. Um, and that could come by means of choosing where you target your pitch, uh, who you target it to, and be willing to try uh, just to lose a certain segment of the market by taking a strong position. Um, and that, that's really, uh, that really takes a lot of guts, a lot of courage. Um, most people don't like to do that. They like to straddle different strategies. They like to, to be all things to all people. Um, but as the saying goes, please everyone and you please none. So really, the, the focus is choose who to lose. I like that. And, you know, I learned that at one of the schools that you teach at, actually, was an academy here in uh, Austin, the, a business school, but it just really pushes us over the edge. And when I first heard that, I thought, ooh, you know, I kind of cringed, but just exactly the way you explained it, choose who to lose, it's really important because otherwise a, a person can get so scattered all over the place trying to please the general public or thinking that the general public needs to read the book or, you know, just trying to encompass everybody and that just, it doesn't work. Yeah, you know what it does is it really it really waters down your message. It really creates quiet and understated copy when you do that. I say forget that, make a bold statement and be willing to lose a segment of your audience. That's okay. Um, if, when you do that, uh, the, the message that you send is way more persuasive and convincing. Tom, talking about the message that you send, are there any questions that can be used to align what you're saying with who you really are? 
Let me ask a clarifying question on that, if you don't mind, Alan. What, sure. what do you mean by questions? Any any template, any format, any any checkbox process that we can walk through to be sure that we're not drifting off away from our credibility and, and you know maybe drifting back into ad speak in some places, but saying things that we really don't match who we are or who we think we are. Yeah, one of the things that I recommend to, for for most of my clients to do is list out their defining characteristics. What are their core char- characteristics as a company, as an individual, maybe? And really, you must remain faithful to those defining characteristics. And uh, it, uh, forgive me if I drift into marketing and, and advertising uh, for a bit, but if I were working with a client, periodically I would recommend that they go through all their marketing materials, their advertising, uh, their website, and comb through all those marketing materials to make sure that there's no conflict in message. So it, it does take some work, but it, it's a it's a good practice to do that periodically to make sure that there's no conflict between what you are saying and who you are being. Tom, since your book has come out, have you run across any surprising or unexpected applications of your currencies? Actually, I have. Um, about a year ago, I ran into a young uh, politician. I think he was only 28 years old, um, who ran for... Uh, the, the city council here in the town that I live in. And he kept stopping by the house. I wasn't home, and he kept leaving his campaign uh, brochure at our doorstep. I picked it up and took a good look at it, and it surprised me. He had a couple currencies that he invested on that small brochure. The first thing that he did is he took the time and energy to write a note, a handwritten note on the brochure because I wasn't home. Um, and I thought that was a nice touch. The second thing that he did was he listed his direct phone line and said, if you have any questions or things that you'd like to talk about, please give me a call. Uh, that would be risking the currency power and control. Most politicians don't, don't want to do that. They, want, they, they would never want to give their, their cell phone number out and say, hey, give me a call if you want to talk about something that, that, that's important to you about our city. That just doesn't happen. What struck me is that this young gentleman was the top vote-getter out of all the candidates uh, running for that seat, and he was a Republican running in a highly Democratic community, and he beat the pants out of the incumbents, and I believe he did it by pouring time and energy and risking power and control uh, with his campaign tactics. Uh, The other thing to point out is there was really no message that he was sending talking about you know, I care about safety in the community or lowering your taxes or anything like that. He avoided all the cliches and said, what's important to you? Let's talk about that. Uh, what's important to you? And let's talk about that. There again, it's the relevancy of the, in our case, the reader. What do they need? Let's fill their need. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. It, it all starts there. Uh, that's the hub of, of every persuasive message. Is the message relevant? So, what does the consumer or customer need out of it? Exactly. And what I'm thinking also, too, is the importance that when we write our books as authors, we really need to know who we're writing to before we start writing the book, not deciding, gosh, who are we going to market this? Who's our target market audience after we've written yeah. the book? Absolutely. Um, there's, there's a couple of tricks and, and techniques that, that I, I love to use to get at the heart of the matter and figure out what people want 
um, most of them leverage the Internet. One of my favorite uh, techniques is to uh, do a search for a forum around the topic that I'm inter interested in. So if, if I were interested in, let's say, weight loss, I would look for a weight loss forum, and I would just look at the conversations. I wouldn't really participate. I'm just watching and, and looking at what people are talking about and what they're saying and how they're saying it. If, if, if that's the other part of this. How can you adopt the language of the customer? Well, this is a perfect way to do that. You can learn the, the words that they're using and then adopt some of that language, which is more effective than, than, than talking in a way that they're not accustomed to. I really like that idea. And, um, you know, the Internet, it, it just it covers so many things and serves so many purposes. And what a great way to really see what is the need out there is to, like you say, join forums maybe not necessarily participate, but just watch and listen what is going on and what are the people's needs and what is relevant and what is their felt need and uh, take it from there. And uh, one question I have, and it's kind of going back to what we had talked earlier about credibility. As authors, it's really important for us to establish that credibility because, after all, we're competing you know, with a lot of others. And do you have any suggestions of what potential readers might look at and me as an author in my credibility? You, you know, the first thing that pops to mind it really comes from a, a published author first, and, and I think we all do it. We all go to Amazon.com and look at the ratings and reviews uh, to, to see what other readers have, have said about a book that, that they're, they're, they've read and a book that you're interested in. Um, now, obviously, that doesn't help somebody who has yet to be published or is working on their book. But that might be one way to start, again, to investigate that felt need, to look at other books around your genre and figure out what's missing, um, what's not currently being tapped into, and, and trying to meet that felt need right then and there and, and take that approach. Tom, on a more general discussion point, what are the most common credibility investments in business today? Uh, the most common... Uh, credibility investments in business uh, is definitely, without a doubt, material wealth. Uh, we see that commonly uh, risked in guarantees and warranties, um, and, and we see that you know, almost any business. Um, and, and that's really a good thing because, it, again, it goes back to ad speak and uh, substantiated cl uh, claims. Uh, we, want, we want to see closed loopholes as consumers. Anything that's, that's not a closed loophole, we immediately doubt, and that lowers credibility. I'm going to take just about a half step back. A minute ago, you were talking about buzzwords, uh, that by doing research on the forums and things, we could kind of tap into the language of our audience, of our potential customers. And it kind of struck me as, as being fascinating because we were talking at the beginning of the conversation tonight about how ad speak is something to be avoided because it has no credibility and, and almost no relevancy. And yet, by tapping into the consumer's buzzwords, basically their buzzwords are better than our buzzwords is what it comes down to, right? Yeah, and it's, it's really, um, it, it may not be about buzzwords, but that's a great point and a, a fantastic observation. Uh, I'll give you an example. I was, I was doing this for a hearing aid uh, company that I work with in Canada. And, you know, marketing... A hearing aid company, you know, I understand that the felt need is to, to really to return to a life worth hearing again, to not miss out on life's special
special moments, you know, the slurred speech, the, the missed words, um, the avoidance. So I, I understand the felt need of the consumer right off the bat. But because I have my hearing, you know, to what level do I understand? Well, I think I could get 90% there. But when you go to a forum and you look at the discussions, they don't talk about hearing the cars drive by on the road. They're very specific. They say something like, I, I, you know, I got my hearing aid and I could hear the tires humming on the road as the cars drive by. They're that specific with their descriptions. And that, that's really, really what I mean by adopting the language of the customer and, and really getting down to the core of the felt need. Now, that's believable. Somebody who has lost their hearing, they would understand that. It's a little bit phony just to say, I could hear the cars uh, driving by and the birds chirping. But to talk about the tires humming on the road, that's credible. That really speaks to them. Tom, do any of the currencies seem to work better than others? No, again, it's really, it's really about context and fit. Um, you know, what are you trying to communicate and what could reinforce that message? What currency can you risk or spend to reinforce the relevant message that you're sending? You know, Tom, as I was listening to you a little earlier, and I just had this thought, and I'm going to just throw it out there. You talked about guarantees, and I thought, hey, you know, I have never yet seen an author go out there on the limb and say, I guarantee that you're going to like my book. If you don't like it, I will refund you your money. Wouldn't that be a novel idea? Pun intended, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, again, it's, it's standing out, not fitting in, first and foremost. Um, you know, it, the, the question is, is that meeting a felt need of the publisher? I would think so. It's, it's you know, they're being selective with their investment dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that would be a good place to start. Well, I just might do that. I'll let you know. Gosh, Tom. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> this has been a really great interview. Thank you so much. I know that our listening audience that uh, really have something to think about because you've given a lot of things to think about. I sure am thinking, and even though I have read your book and have talked to you before, and you know, there's just so much to it. And uh, before we close, tell our audience what your... Um, website address is? My website is marketingbeyondadvertising.com. There you go, listeners, marketingbeyondadvertising.com. And as I had mentioned earlier, do check it out. Do sign up with Tom to get his tweets because he's constantly sending out really relevant, and I'm going to use this, relevant (laughs) information. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Irene and Alan. I appreciate you having me. You've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next installment, Things You Need to Know Before You Hire a Graphic Artist, with special guest Julie Ann Strickland. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. For Loving Healing Press, I'm Alan Smith, and for Victor Volkman, wishing you all a good evening. And this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, with Reader Views. Good night.